Hello, hello everyone. I'm Arn Elizabeth, and thanks for tuning in to It's the Wine Talking, your weekly dose of wit, wine, and occasional wisdom. To accompany tonight's episode, I'm drinking a South African red produced by Montclair. I don't know much about this wine because the entire back label is written in Thai, with the exception of the English words fruit wine, a description I find mostly terrifying. Alas, it was my only option at the 7-Eleven, which happens to be the only place I can buy bottles of wine within a mile radius of my current island location in the Gulf of Thailand. You see, not everything is perfect in paradise. Before we move on to our weekly topic, I have some major news to share from the world of Winefield Talk Shows. The Wine About It video series, one of the key inspirations of this podcast, has gone on what BuzzFeed is calling a hiatus which is really just a fancy, non-committal way of saying that Matt Belisai has become a big internet star and wants to ride his wave of fame as far as he can take it. As he should. However, he's probably not coming back. Matt's show had a ton of fans who are now wandering the interwebs trying to decide whom they can turn to. So here I am. What good timing. In case you're new to the show this week, welcome. And I promise not to abandon you by becoming famous so quickly. Seeing as I don't have the backing of a major media organization, it should take at least two years before I become such a big deal. A girl can dream. Now, let's kick off this week's topic. Unsolicited advice for aspiring restaurant owners. You may be asking yourself, why should anyone be listening to Arden? How is she qualified to give this kind of advice? For starters, rude. Secondly, eating is my number one hobby, followed closely by drinking wine, obviously. Some people enjoy mountain climbing, some knitting, others playing the ukulele. I enjoy food. I come by this honestly. My family's most frequent conversation topic at breakfast, lunch, and dinner is what we'll be eating for the meal ahead. We are on top of dinner reservations and always know which day of the week our favorite restaurants have half-priced wine night. Thankfully, we won the genetic lottery when it comes to metabolic speed, or this hobby of ours could become a much bigger problem. Moving to San Francisco after college only encouraged my inner fat kid. Fortunately, or not if you ask my waistline, I fell for someone with an equally strong love of food. Miles and I made our way around the Bay Area food scene for five years, happily arriving to an hour-long wait at our favorite brunch spot, mastering which places offered kala-head seating, and where best to stand to swoop the first available seats at the bar. If eating is my first hobby and drinking wine is my second, swooping seats in a crowded restaurant or bar just be my third. Though I guess those are really just different components of one activity. But if proclaiming myself an enthusiastic foodie isn't enough to make me a restaurant expert in your eyes, you might be interested to know that I began winning tables while still in the womb. Think that sounds absurd? Well, tell that to my mother who at eight months pregnant was managing a team of servers while throwing back some chocolate milkshakes. Would you believe my first words were may I take your order? They weren't. In addition to my in utero experience, I had a father who managed and owned restaurants throughout my childhood, waitress experience that began at age eight, child labor laws be damned, and a career highlight of serving Desmond Tutu his dinner. I think you'll be hard pressed to find someone with a better restaurant resume than mine at 22 years old. All this is why I feel that it is my duty, nay, obligation, to share my advice on behalf of diners and the families of restaurant owners everywhere. 
My first tip should come as no surprise. Don't serve sad wine. I realize that technically speaking, there are five glasses of wine in a bottle, and I hear you when you say you don't want your bartenders over pouring, but when I choose to order a glass of wine instead of a whole bottle to share with others or my imaginary friend, I should be rewarded for my efforts, not tortured for my restraint. When you bring me that precisely measured four and a half ounces of wine, it looks sad. It makes me feel sad. I don't want to be sad. I love eating, and I came to your restaurant to be happy. So can't we just enjoy our time together? And if a six-ounce wine pour is all it takes to make me happy, don't you think it's worth it? Hey, if you give me a little tipsy, I may even order a dessert, if there's creme brulee. Tip number two. If you call something special, it better be. I just can't even with restaurants listing out our special sauce as one of the ingredients of their world-famous hamburger. You know what's not special? Thousand Island dressing. You know what you created when you mixed ketchup, mayonnaise, and pickled relish together? Thousand Island dressing. I know a special sauce when I taste it, and I am not impressed by your unimaginative concoction. Now, I don't mind if you put Thousand Island dressing on your burger. In fact, I kind of like it. But don't try and trick me into thinking you're the Leonardo da Vinci of sauces. Really, there's no need to get all fancy with your burger. Buy quality meat, don't cook it above medium, and then we can talk. And if you want to throw some jalapenos, cheese, and bacon on it, well, that wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Tip number three. If you build a booth, they will come. There are a few things in life that I enjoy more than a comfy corner booth with a glass of iced tea and a side of fried okra. Oh, I'm sorry. Is my southernness showing? I know the wood and wrought iron furnishings at that artisanal spaghetti shop down the street are blowing up your Instagram feed right now. But you know where I won't be ordering my pasta? From a tiny wooden stool perched at their bar where I have no place to put my feet. I just can't eat like that. And frankly, no one should. In my experience, the apex of restaurant seating is the booth. I believe it. My food-loving family believes it. And 80% of people that I've seen come into restaurants believe it. If you are a server who is assigned an area of the restaurant without a single booth, you can expect to make less money that night. If you were a hostess who dare seat people at a table with chairs when there's an open booth in eyesight, you better just start prepping that booth because they will be asking to move. People like to be comfortable when they eat. Some of us, even as grown adults, may even like to sit crisscross applesauce in the privacy of our inside booth seat. Don't hate these people. These customers will be the ones who stick around to order more drinks. They'll make reservations for birthdays and anniversaries. They'll tell their friends about how much they love eating there. You can bet they'll mention the booths. And as for the people who are happy sitting on a cold, hard slab of wood, simply inform them that you offer takeout if the perfectly cozy atmosphere doesn't suit their hipster disposition. Tip number four, keep it simple. Despite what your mother may have told you, you are actually not good at everything you do. If you have Italian, Mexican, and Thai dishes on the menu, how am I supposed to believe you're good at any of it? And not only do I seriously doubt the quality of your food, I'm frustrated that you put me in such a difficult position. I inherited my grandmother's deep-seated fear of missing out, 
So when choosing one entree means saying no to three dozen others, my FOMO flares up. Figure out what you and or your chef are great at, whether that's creating recipes from seasonal produce, frying chicken, or whipping up a mean batch of vinegar-based barbecue sauce. Then do that. Just that. Give me four entree options that you're really proud of, and you'll never hear a peep out of me. Well, unless you've ignored tips one through three. And finally, tip number five, never, ever open your own restaurant. Don't do it. Those are the words I scream at friends, relatives, and people I've just met when they tell me that they want to open a restaurant. I yell out of love and consider it my ultimate mission in life to discourage people from starting their own cafe, bistro, or diner. Why? Because owning a restaurant is brutal, and even the best culinary and business minds tend to fall short of success. Most restaurants don't fail because they put $1,000 dressing on their burger, serve skimpy glasses of wine, lack booths, or have a menu that's too long. Though I'm sure some have, so don't discount my earlier wisdom. Restaurants fail because the business model sucks. The startup costs alone can put you a quarter million dollars in the hole, and abysmal profit margins combined with high fixed costs means it takes forever to break even, assuming that you don't fail in the first three years, like most restaurants, of course. And while fickle hipsters can ruin what used to be a great money-making location, you probably won't even notice once you're caught up in how terrible restaurant staff turnover really is. And those are just the challenges of keeping the business afloat. I speak from experience as a waitress and a daughter when I say that restaurant ownership will completely take over your life. In all seriousness, if you have a family and you really care about them, becoming a restaurant owner is not a decision to be made lightly. The long hours, the missed vacations, though you may forget what those even are, the 4 a.m. calls from the alarm company, and the stress of trying to build a successful business when the deck is stacked against you. Together, it will almost certainly turn you into a complete lunatic. Don't believe me? Just read the Anthony Bourdain book, Kitchen Confidential. Learning about his life in restaurants might leave you wondering why I haven't been even more aggressive in my warnings. However difficult that you think owning a restaurant is going to be, I can promise you that it will end up being much worse. All right, stepping off my soapbox now. That's it for this week's episode of It's the Wine Talking. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you won't miss your weekly dose of wit, wine, and occasional wisdom. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Stay so deep.